Indeed, indeed. You know, it's uh, I love a full room, but then when I see empty chairs after the students leave, I'm filled with joy too because I know there's a, a great group of students knocking it down, seeking God next door. Um, the first Sunday of every month is uh, not only communion time, but also a time for us to focus uh, on the opportunity for Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, to heal. And uh, as part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, we have focused many a times on Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's our sanctifier, our transformer. He's our healer, and he's our coming king. And I want you to watch this video just to prep your heart a little bit. At the end of service today, we're going to have a time for you to be able to come and, and be prayed over if you have a physical or emotional need this morning. Jesus is the one who does it. Amen. We have faith, but he is the divine healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. And uh, this also takes our hearts to what's happened around the world. God's working in many places. And uh, watch this just little snapshot, a line snapshot, and then we'll jump into God's word today. In my village, many boys never reach adulthood. Because of a curse on our people, I lost four of my own sons. When my fifth son, Omar, started to develop a large tumor on his face, I knew that the curse would take him too. One day, I heard that a group had come to our village and that they were going to show a movie. I never left home anymore, but for some reason, I knew I had to go. The movie was about Jesus. I saw him heal people, and for the first time, I had hoped that my son might too be healed. I went to find Omar and took him to the church people. They prayed over him and suggested that we come with one of the doctors back to Kutiala Hospital, where they might be able to help him. Omar and his mother would often listen to Bible stories, and they both decided to give their lives to Jesus. After the first surgery, it was clear the tumor was gone. My son had a curse, and God overcame it. I was so excited to pray with the pastor and become a Christ follower myself. The villagers couldn't believe this was the same Omar. Now he's a normal boy, and the other kids play with him. He can't stop telling others about Jesus. Neither can I. I'm so happy I can't help it. Wasn't that a great smile from that kid? <laughs> and isn't it great that Jesus is at work all over the world, changing and transforming people's lives, touching them physically and emotionally, changing families. And I invite you, if you want a touch from the Lord Jesus this morning, um, seek him out. We'd love to pray with you uh, at the conclusion of service. We are into our third week of the series Favor with Kings. This Favor with Kings comes from, as mentioned, uh, concerning what our life groups are doing, a little bit based upon a book by uh, Caleb Anderson. Uh, in the memoirs of Nehemiah, and these are ancient memoirs that go back to 444 B.C. when uh, God worked in his life, and we want to uh, challenge us again this morning on the journey that I've called us to. And the journey that I've called us to is to be able to discover afresh and anew what God's vision and dream is for your life. It may be rebuilding something. It may be building something that's never been built before. All right? First week, we talked about who am I and what is my heart broken for. Do I need to move my mic here maybe a little bit? This happens to me. Get 
it's all wigged out. There. <laughs> Who am I and what is my heart broken for? Then last week we talked about cultivating conviction, moving from the what to the why, and that the why sustains us for the long term. Well, today I want to move a little bit to the how, but just the beginning of the how related to your vision, your dream that you believe God's placing on your heart. Now, for some of you in this journey, you've been doing really good. And uh, you've, you've uh, really found what God's been trying to speak to you afresh and anew about in your life in this particular season. And uh, you're, you're stepping out into it. Others of you are a little bit frustrated. Maybe you're a little bit timid because you're not quite discerning what's God really got going for me in this season. That's fine. Uh, just hang with it. Continue just to keep your heart open to him and continue to cultivate what he, he wants you to, to maybe consider. All right? Others of you are a little bit in fear. You're like, oh, my goodness, I don't know. Really, God, is that what you want me to do with this season of my life? And so you're sort of shying away from some things. And um, others of you are like, you just feel like maybe there's not that much for you anyway. You know, I'm, I'm just a mom or something I heard recently. I'm like, really? Just a mom? Just a mom? That's an incredible season of vision and building that you can have in your life, one with another. And so I want to encourage you just to continue to keep your heart open, and we're going to discover what God wants for us afresh and anew with each passing day. In Nehemiah um, 1.11, it says this, O Lord, now remember, he was broken, so he mourned, he prayed, and he fasted. And this is the latter part of his great prayer in chapter 1. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah was a Jew, but he had been exiled prior generations into the country of Persia. And the Persian king he began working for had a security guard as the cupbearer. He would taste the wine to make sure that it wasn't bad or poisoned, right? And so he's in this place of really privilege and authority and and, and, and comfort at one level. And he has this burden to do something for his ancestral ties back in Jerusalem. He wants to go back and he wants to rebuild the walls because they're not under any kind of protection there. And so as he prays, he pours his heart out to God. God, grant me favor, success today, by making the king favorable to me. So, from the what to the why to the how, you're immersing yourself in prayer for that which God has burdened on your heart. But you're praying specifically for God to kick open some doors. Have you ever, like, had a vision dream and the doors are just shut in your face? It's like, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm this red god on this one. He's not supposed to be doing this. Uh, what's going to happen? Because nothing's really happening. Okay? Well, don't be discouraged. Take hope by looking at someone like the example of Nehemiah. Because sometimes there do appear to be solid, closed doors. 
and you're wanting an open door, begin in prayer and begin praying that God would open a door. Note, there is a big difference between daydreamers and people who are pursuing their dream. There's a big difference between daydreamers and people who are pursuing their dream. Nehemiah was not a daydreamer. A daydreamer just sort of sits back and goes, well, I hope it'll happen. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just trusting maybe something will happen. No, he began praying and praying is doing. Praying is not nothing, right? And we looked at last week that a waiting time is not wasted time. And during that waiting time, you need to be intense in, in your prayer efforts, but your prayers need to be specific. He is asking for favor from God. Well, what are you doing to get the door knocked open? I'm just sort of waiting. Just waiting. Wait by beginning in prayer and asking for favor from God. Some of you hesitate to do this. I hesitate to do it sometimes. I'm like, what does God owe me? Friends, do not put human concepts on God. He is divine. And God is not limited in his ability. He's not wore out from his work week. He didn't run short on rest last night. He has tons and tons of resources. He does not have a limited bank account. All right? God is who you're praying to. You're asking him for favor. Be specific. Be diligent in pursuing him in whatever he's setting before you. People who pursue their dreams pray like Nehemiah prayed. Use me. I want to make a difference. Get bold in your prayers. Are you bold in your prayers? God's not offended. In fact, I like it when my kids come to me and say, Dad, I got an idea. I think we could do this, right? I'm like, good, what's happening in your mind? What's going on? Let's see how we can walk it out. Let's see how we can support it. Let's see how we can encourage it, right? Now, there's a difference between parents who have sort of daydreaming prayers and parents who have specific prayers for their kids. Pray, as a parent, that you will be able to be there and give Counsel, encouragement, and opportune moments, whether they're going through challenges, rebellion, discouragement of any sort, pray, God, help me to be the parent that I can be for my child when they need it. I want to journey with them. Now, daydreamer kind of parents go, well, God, I just, um, I don't know. I, I pray that you'll sort of take care of things. What's the difference? Or I hope you bring a teacher into their life or something. No, what you're asking for in your prayer as a parent is that you will be given the privilege and the blessing to make things happen with your child versus just sitting back with a casual, passive kind of prayer because God honors, I believe, aggressiveness in praying when we are aligned with praying in his will. So pray that God would give you favor. That's a great start to kick the door open because this is a truth. Put this in your mind. Favor comes from God, but comes through people. Favor comes from God, but it's going to come through people. Nehemiah knew that if he was going to do something about the walls needing to be built back in Jerusalem, it was going to have to come through Artaxerxes, the king. 
Now, he may not have that great of an impression of the king. I don't know, but he knew if something was going to happen, he's working for the king, all the situations, he was going to have to have favor. But it wasn't Artaxerxes that the favor was going to come from. It was going to come from God, but it was going to come through that king. Who are the kings in your life that you need favor to come through? Who are the people that are around you? that you believe God could use to bring to you favor. Maybe it has to do with your work, your place of employment, other kinds of things, whatever it may be. You need favor, you need resources, you need belief, you need freedom. Those kinds of things Nehemiah needed as well, and he prayed for those. Now, this whole subject of praying for favor um, deals with an issue. And the issue may be a little uncomfortable for you this morning. But we're just going to put it out there because all of us have dealt with this before. It's the authority issue. The authority issue. Now, sometimes they say, well, uh, who, are, who in our culture is having trouble with authority these days? Oh, it's that millennial generation. They have trouble with authority. Really? And you don't? Maybe you're a millennial here today. You'll recognize it. We all struggle with authority in our life because all of us have authority that's around us. And this goes back to the Garden of Eden. Remember? Adam, Eve, paradise. God says yes to everything except one thing in the center of the garden. He says no to the tree. Remember? And where do they go? And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was for their protection. Right? They go right there and they challenge God's authority. Huh. And yes, I know the adversary, Satan, was at work in it. You know, enticed him. But here's the deal. Ever since the Garden of Eden, you and I too, we struggle with authority. And we press boundaries. Sometimes there's a a sense of entitlement. But you go back to the Garden of Eden where that sin came into the world and affected all of our lives and all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God like we talked about there in communion. You need to know it's brought corruption and despair into our world. It's brought rebellion. It's brought racism. It's brought sexism. You name it, the world at large is the way it is because there was an authority issue that began the whole deal. And that authority issue still wraps its tentacles around us today. And if you're going to find God's favor through other people, find God's favor to see your dream, to rebuild the wall, to take that initiative, you're going to have to deal with the subject of authority. How you doing with that one? How you doing with that one? So Sometimes you think that you're going to, Get well with it, and then, before you know it, you're right back smack into it. Because authority is around us all the time. There's teachers. There's administrators. There's boards. There's bosses. There's investors. You can look at life. There's government. All right? There's the IRS. The police. There is now, in my life, a homeowners association. For the first time ever. Right? There are authority issues. In your marriage, there's authority issues. Mutual submission. Friends, there is no marriage that gets along great unless there is a respect for mutual submission to one another. And that's dealing with the subject of authority. You cannot get away from this issue of authority. And my question to you this morning is, how are you doing with authority in your life? 
Nehemiah dealt well with authority. Here he is, broken, praying, fasting, wanting something to happen, but he stays good to what God has called him to do, and he submits himself in his present situation to the authority around him. His authority issue, though, it goes back really to the heart of your relationship with God. Or if you have one, uh, if you don't have one, um, maybe why you don't. You know, a lot of times people struggle with, you know, how can the Bible be God's word? You know, how, how does that work out? And that's a rightful kind of question. Maybe you've thought about that. I mean, how, how does this really come to be God's word spoken to us? How does that process work? How does he work in the sovereignty of it? But more often than not, the reason people don't believe in God's word as God's word is not because there's not a rational belief and understanding how it came to be. It's because they don't want it to be God's word. Isn't that true? Because we don't want there to be an authority, a truth that speaks into our life. And so we sort of put it on the shelf or we ignore it. It's like, I, I don't want to think about it too much being God's word because I just don't want there to be a word from God for my life. You will never, ever find the favor of God in whatever your dream is unless you deal with the authority issue, the authority issues of those around you and how God can work through them. But foremostly, the authority of Jesus Christ, Lordship. I remember my early years, there was a lot of great dreams and aspirations I started to have for my life, you know, when God started to work in my heart. But then he brought me smack center with the authority issue as it relates to Lordship. Would I trust him with my future career or was I ultimately going to decide? Would I trust him with my mate choice or was I ultimately going to make the selection? You know, numerous things God tugs on our heart with, but he'll get back to that authority issue because he wants you to have his favor. And favor comes from God, but comes through people. This is a great verse. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, it says in Proverbs 21.1. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Say that with me. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. The heart refers to the center of the being, all right, in Scripture. And God's able to change that heart of whoever you are around, whoever is an authority over you. You do not have to scheme. You do not have to bring about deceit. You do not have to despair. God is able to change that person, that king who is over you, his heart. He is able to do it, and he's able to bend it wherever he wishes because favor comes from God, but it comes through people. Now, if you want to get a little sticky with this one, and why not? Do you believe that? Do you believe the favor comes from God? Do you believe that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord? Do you believe that? Uh, then let's talk about this past fall's election. People all over the map with it. Now that the new administrations are all over the map, new president, what's all this mean? Friends, I don't care where you're at on what you're political or governing persuasion may be, you need to understand that we submit ourselves to a God 
who has the king's heart in his hand. And as Jesus' followers, we are called to be good citizens. We are called to be faithful and responsible in the culture that we're in and the opportunities that we're given. That doesn't mean that you don't engage and maybe God's even called you to participate even in the governance and, and involved and in, in, in how things are dis, uh, dispersed as it relates to, to ruling and, re, you know, in one sense, reigning over a nation or maybe a local authority. But you, as a Christ follower, need to just rest in the hands of God. You need not to despair, and you need not gloat, because God is the one who is in control. And for all the bantering you find around us, and maybe your workplace, maybe online, whatever, you just need to come back. Hey, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Romans 13.1 says this, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Now that's a pretty, pretty straight-on word there. But isn't it interesting? Jesus, when he came to this earth and walked, he thought, you know, some of the followers of Jesus were like, yeah, now he's going, to, he's going to knock down the governance around us and change that. But Jesus didn't come to change the political reign of a world the first time. He came to change the hearts and the lives of people. And he's the one who can change a heart. And maybe you're up against a pretty hard-knuckled boss. Maybe you have a parent that's just not in the most cooperative favor for you in your life. Maybe you're finding your way, it's just really hard to get to pass certain kinds of authorities to be able to grant favor. You just need to chill and rest in the favor of God. He's the one who can change the heart. But it's not this passive daydreaming thing. Oh, I just hope it changes. Pray! Pray that God would change the hearts of those who are over you. Even if you don't like them, whether you're a boss or a political person, pray for their hearts to be changed, to have favor, not just for you, but favor for the things of God. And may we as Christ followers be out of a different stripe than maybe the banterings of the world because we know that favor comes from God, but it comes through people. You know, I remember, you know, when I was getting traction going in my life and doing things, God put in my heart to do a few things, and uh, one of those was to go on to graduate school, and it was a big move to go from the Midwest as a young single man to the East Coast, because I have really strong family ties, and, and what I'm part of, I remember sitting down with my dad and my mom, and I shared with them my vision to go to the New York City area and go to seminary, and you know what my dad said, I always remember this, he passed away about three years ago, we have a large grain farm, and uh, farm several thousand acres. My brother still farm today, and that was just not necessarily assumed that I would be part of that agribusiness world, but that, you know, I enjoyed it. But I remember my dad saying to me, he says, Carrie, go and get that education. Get that education because even if you end up coming back to the farm, you will always have that with you. It'll be under your belt, and it'll serve you well as you serve God. I was given favor. And the reason I needed favor with my parents was because I needed resources, like financial resources. You know what I'm saying? And they helped support me some to go to graduate school. And that favor 
God gave me personally, but it came through my father. I remember sitting down when I was a, a young man, me and my wife, Melissa, we wanted to start a church from scratch. No people, no building, no money was sort of our vision, and we didn't want to do, sort of do a cookie-cutter kind of way. And, and I had some new ideas and things I wanted to do. I remember sitting down with what's called our district superintendent in the alliance. His name is Jerry Mapstone. And I remember sharing my heart with Jeremy, Jerry. <laughs> and I said, but Jerry, I don't want anybody to um, put a straight jacket on me or, or cut my wings off on this thing. I want to soar with it and try some new stuff. And I remember Jerry Mapstone. I didn't know how he would read me, a young lad. And he goes, he says, Kerry, that's great. He says, you know, in the Alliance, we need some new ways shown to us. Why don't you cut a path and we'll support you in what's God doing? I gained favor from my district superintendent. I remember they gave me a small little stipend because we were working other jobs. And I got 800 bucks a month to live on kind of deal. And, but that was a little bit of favor and blessing, right? I remember when we came to a place uh, in 19, I forget what it was, 1990, is uh, late 90s, and we were needing to build a facility. Our church had really started to grow. It had started in a small kind of environment like this, and it started to grow and grow and grow. And we're like, oh, too much rent. We need to buy property maybe. We need to build something. I had a big vision uh, of God. And we found like 90 acres. 90 acres. Well, I farm several thousand acres, so it wasn't that big of a deal for me. I have quite context, especially coming to California. It's a different world down here. But... Um, I was like, here's this 90 acres, it's close to an interstate interchange. We were all pumped. We were excited to go. And they sent out some denominational leaders from the head office in Colorado. And I remember walking around this cornfield with a guy by the name of Francis Grubbs. And Francis Grubbs says, oh, I see here, and your church is going fairly well, and you got some means. Step down. He says, you know why I'm here? He says, I'm here to help you distinguish between faith and fantasy. Okay, okay. It was a few months later, and we'd submitted a lot of our thinking, and our people had committed to being able to devote resources to it over the course of three years. And I walked into a boardroom to submit the plans in Colorado. And I got done, and I said, I just need you to let me know if you think I'm crazy. And they said, let, me get, let us give you some thoughts and uh, we'll call you back in. I remember going to my hotel room, and they were deliberating, and I got a call, and I got a call from one of the leaders I'd been working with, and he says, I want you to know that they agreed to be able to give you a loan of $4.5 million, the largest loan the Christian Missionary Alliance has ever given. Uh, really? Wow. So you don't think we're, I'm crazy? We're crazy? And I always remember this. I said, no, we didn't say that. <laughs> I mean, we were wanting to put an 80,000-square-foot facility with three gymnasium courts, multi-purpose room, seat 2,500 people. That was a big deal to build the Eagle Centers, we called it. They said, no, we didn't say that. But we're willing to be crazy with you. That's a vibrant church to today, and I think they're close to maybe having the whole uh, facility paid off with some of the land that then was sold off and those kinds of things. But, you know, it's interesting how God gives favor. When I came here three years ago, I sat down with Bill Malik, the district superintendent from here, and I said, here's some of my thoughts. He says, well, here's some of my thoughts. Favor was given. You people gave favor for us to come and serve here. But many a times, you want to push ahead without that favor. You've been there? Wait. 
Nehemiah waited. He waited six months. He was praying. But he learned to submit to even those governing authorities around him who were not spiritual authorities. God can work through whatever situation that you are in. Never, never doubt that he can't change the heart of somebody around you. So favor comes from God, but comes through people. The second next thing I want to mention here is the honor, that you need to honor the authority that God has placed over you. Early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, it says in Nehemiah 2.1, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before uh, appeared sad in his presence. What this means is he never appeared before King Artaxerxes to have a bad day. He didn't bemoan. He bucked up, if you will. He stood in the gap. He served the king at every purpose. He honored the authority that was placed over him by God, and he served faithfully in that capacity. Ephesians 6, 7 says this, Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Where are you working at today? You don't want to work there, do you? You're tired of working there. Stay in good. Serve God. Whatever you're doing, work with enthusiasm as if you're working for the Lord, not just for those people. And God will honor that. God will honor that. Nehemiah goes on. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You, you don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Guess what your next step is? Then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. You might think you pray for God's favor. You submitted to God's favor. God's going to kick open the doors. You're ready to go. Let's go. Woo! And that's the next thing. We're going to make action. We're going to make things happen. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're consumed with fear. You're terrified. Who? Why are you terrified? There's several reasons here in this terrified kind of thing. One, you've got to remember where Nehemiah was at. He was in the comfort of the palace, and he was looking to go back to Jerusalem, which was in ruins and was chaotic. The walls were down. Order was not restored. All kinds of enemies were around about to seek destruction. And he was going to leave this plush, nice SoCal environment, and he was going to go to a place that maybe we could associate with, like, Syria today. You'd be terrified, too. I'm terrified, but then he was also terrified because he was before the king. Now, the king, he didn't have this top-down authority kind of structure because if you did the wrong thing before him, it wasn't a top-down kind of authority. It was sort of a chop-your-head-off kind of authority. So he's terrified when he goes to the king because he doesn't know how the king's going to respond. Now, we know that the king responded favorably, but the king could have said, well, he said, oh, that's nice. Eh, forget it. Ah, you're thinking about uh, two-timing on me. You're thinking about heading, uh, heading out. You're thinking about, you know, you know, breaking some of the th- agreements that we've had here. You're done. He was terrified. He was terrified because he took this dream that he had, and he placed it out in front of somebody. One of the most scary things you can ever do is take a dream that you have and tell someone. I think I want to build a church from scratch to reach a metropolitan area. Uh, It's like, what, really? You? Yeah, God sort of put it on my heart. It's like a baby, isn't it? 
It's a precious baby, and you're going to give it to someone. Here's, here's my vision. Here's my dream. And, and you're waiting because they could take the baby and they could just throw it down and crush it. It's terrifying to be in that situation. But I tell you what, you take the opportunity to verbalize your dream. And I know I've been asking a couple of I'm in a couple different life groups, and so they'll throw the question out and those kinds of things. And it's like, I don't know what God's dream is. Blah, blah. And, and, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe you're, you're not processed. But maybe there's something hidden that you're hesitant to share with someone else in your group. Take the initiative. Share it with a friend. Because God's going to honor that. And he's going to start using that to be able to open up doors. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. My son, Zach, he went to a conference this weekend, uh, Southern Baptist Conference, actually, from uh, CBU over in Long Beach. And it was a whole conference on missions. And uh, he, they had some radical people speaking there, like... Um, the Platt guy and, and uh, Francis Chan and others. And, and so it was a good conference. And he calls me last night late. And he says, yeah, oh, well, he texts me. He says, you up. That's always interesting. I was like, well, okay, now I am. But um, <laughs> I said, hey, uh, how'd it go? And he starts sharing with me. And he goes back and he pulls out a dream. My, my son was given a dream two years ago to be able to do ministry to pastor's kids, ministry kids. And he sh- shared that vision in different terms. When I first heard it, I'm like, Really? Now, he's been through a lot of transition as a, a PK, a pastor's kid, but he really wants to reach pastor's kids. And he was going back to that last night. He says, Dad, maybe that'll be one thing, but then there's this other thing. And I see him wrestling with it, but he's articulating his vision of what he wants to do. Share it. Be an open door as a parent for your kids to share the visions that are on their heart. Because that's where God begins to really bring some cohesiveness together. But it's a scary thing to do that. The king asked, "How well, how can I help you then? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I reply. Isn't that cool? I'm praying to heaven as I'm replying, Okay, God, help me speak to this king. If it, ple- if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I was would be gone, the king agreed to my request. So, you share your dream, all right? You're terrified. You step out. You state it, all right? But when you state it, you need to be ready and have a plan. You ever talk to anybody that they have a plan and say, well, how are you going to do about that? Oh, I'm just going to pray about it. Praise good. But prayer alone is not honored by God. A prayer and a plan are honored by God. And Nehemiah had a plan. He had been thinking through what he was going to do. Look what it says following this verse. I just love this. I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters to address the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River. All right. He was wanting diplomatic authority to be given to him, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way west to Judah. And please give me a letter to address Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I need a bunch of money to make this thing happen. I need resources. I'll need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for the house, for a house for myself. He has a plan. He's thought through it. He's thought through timing. He's thought through He's thought through uh, 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 diplomatic privilege. He thought through resources. He's thought through uh, military assistance to make sure he doesn't have any problems mar- marching his way through. He's got the plan down. 
What have you been doing? What have you been doing? You just been daydreaming? You've been daydreaming? Or you've been praying with authority, asking God to give favor, and have you been sitting down and coming up with a plan to think it through? Oh, it's just another week, Terry. Just trying to make ends meet. Yeah, aren't we all? But your life goes by pretty quick. Yesterday I had a sad privilege to attend a funeral. My landlord and his wife graciously gave us their home to rent for three for two and a half years. JJ and Tanya Petra. JJ was baptized in this church. They attend another church now, their kids, college age, senior high school. A year or so ago, Tanya found out she had stage four liver cancer. She was beating a lot of the cancer, making tough on the fight. But Melissa and I went to Tanya Petchel's funeral yesterday. She was a beautiful Jesus follower, Tanya was. They read some of her journal articles. Maybe I'll read them for you sometime. They really touched us. Melissa looks at the dates, and she says, Tanya was one year younger than me. Friends, it's not for the next season of life. God's given you this season. He's given you dreams and passions and a heart. Honor the authority God has placed over your life. Face your fears. Have a plan. Be ready to go. And third, do not steal the credit or the glory from God. Nehemiah 2.8 ends this way, and the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. Anything I've done in life, I try to keep coming back and remind myself, I've not done this. It's by the gracious hand of God. But how quick are we to take the reins? One of the worst things you can ever do with a dream happens to us a lot. Is we say, thanks God, I've got it from here. Thanks God, I've got it from here. No, no we don't. We are always being submitted before him for his pleasure, for his leaning, for his direction. Friends, I want us to just really be challenged in our heart in this journey to believe, to have faith, where the whole journey needs to be sustained by faith. We're going to start talking about that more in the weeks ahead, but you can see it at the beginning of Nehemiah here. Nehemiah was one who really believed that God was working on his behalf because God had birthed this burden in his heart. And he was stepping forward from that. How about you? How about you? My prayer has been for us as individuals, for us as life groups, for us as a church at large, that God would just burden us afresh with what he wants to do through our lives. And that we would seek his favor. That he would kick open some doors. It's scary. It's more comfortable. It's us. No more. We're good. Me, my family. This job's serving me well. And maybe it is. But maybe God's calling you to something more. Maybe not to leave that job. Maybe to take on some other initiative. To be involved in some other people's lives. To give your life away afresh and anew.
What is it? Face your fears. Have a plan. Be ready to go. Don't steal the credit or the glory from God. And make sure that you sustain faith throughout the whole journey. Faith, it's real simple. Faith is believing beforehand what's not happened yet. When we come to close, and I'm going to ask the team to come up to close with a song. There's this verse in James 5 as it relates to the whole opportunity we're going to have this morning to pray for the sick. It says this, in James 5.14, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church, spiritual leaders, spiritual encouragers that you have in life, to pray over him or her and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in doubt will go nowhere. It says, no, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Faith is having confidence in God when you cannot see it. Faith is having confidence in God when you cannot see it. So as the team comes to share in this closing song, I'm going to do two things. I want to pray for you. And then I want us to open up the front. And the front is for maybe you to meet with God if you want to in a special way just to pray. And what I mean by the front Uh, to come and stand during this song, but you can also be seated on the front row. And just, it's sort of like saying something out loud. It's like stepping forward. God, I have something to lay before you as a burden. I have something to um, ask of you. If you need to demonstrably move your physical body, don't hesitate to do it. You're amongst friends. To come and pray, and some prayer workers, our prayer team, will pray with you. And in specific, if you have a prayer need for a healing touch in your life, whether it's just divine intervention or divine intervention through a surgery or something's coming up, I don't know, ask of him through others praying for you. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So let me pray for us all. We're going to sing this song. As we sing this song, we're going to also receive the Lord's tithes and offerings and your connection cards. But come to the front. Don't feel awkward. Um, You can have.